Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten is my anecdotal figure. Eight out of ten is my anecdotal guess. Eight out of ten is my rough assumption that what we are about to talk about this morning applies to eight out of ten of us in the room. In fact, this applies to eight out of ten non-Christians as much as it applies to 8 out of 10 Christians. It's very rare that you get a passage of the Bible when there are so many that speaks so directly to the heart of so many issues that overflow in our life. Um, 8 out of 10 people in my experience now is 10 something years as a pastor. 8 out of 10 people including me as your pastor are dealing with this what we are going to talk about this morning. 8 out of 10 people If they can get this, we'll be healed from a lack of joy in their life. Because we're talking about joy. We talked about joy last week. We are studying the book of Philippians. If ever there is a book to study, it's Philippians, mainly because it's got four chapters in it. So three three sermons, four chapters within that. You can do your homework, and I hope that is going well. But most importantly, over 15 times in that short book, Paul talks about joy. We've heard his context. He's in jail. He's literally chained to someone 24 hours a day. And yet again now, in chapter 3, he begins to his brothers and sisters, rejoice, have joy. (laughs) Paul has found some certain secrets, and we learnt last week that... One of the secrets that he had and had found for us to understand is that no thing can bring you joy. Joy is found in the who, not the what. And I also said that if an aging what is diminishing your joy, then maybe you never really had joy to begin with. And so I want to say to you this morning too now, what we'll see from Paul in this passage is that if a lack of acceptance, a lack of affirmation, a lack of achievement diminishes your joy, then maybe you never really had joy to begin with. Now, as a side note, I'm not, I'm not saying that these are bad things. And more, more importantly, uh, it is very, very real for us in those moments when we fail in our achievement or we don't receive affirmation to feel unhappy. But if you remember from last week also, I said that uh, joy is not happiness. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a spiritual buoyancy that makes us as people unsinkable when these things happen. So more importantly, what I'm saying in all of this is that if a lack of achievement, if a lack of affirmation, if a lack of acceptance devastates you, then you haven't found the secret that Paul has found through his wisdom and his situation of being in jail here. Because we see from Paul, Paul was a scholar. Paul was a PhD student of the Bible, of his Bible. And uh, we've got a few academics in the room. And I know academics, they're very, very careful with their words. Very, very careful with their words. Very loaded with their words. A lot of people in education are like that. And so therefore, Paul's statements in verses 7 and 8 is tremendously surprising because as a scholar, as an educated man, here's what Paul says, but whatever too was my profit, I now consider loss. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes from the law. Now, a lot of commentators in this passage, they actually try and be a lot, they try and be more polite than what God is in this passage. 
Because when Paul says, I consider these things as garbage, he considers them as excrement is the translation of that word. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, you know what, my, my master's degree from UNSW, my order of Australia, my, my, my position on the eldership, I consider it all crap. Now, before I get in trouble, this is, this is the one time of the year where I legitimately, theologically and biblically get to swear in church. Because that's what the Bible says. I consider it all junk. Now, here is the question. How is it that a guy who has worked tirelessly and fearlessly for these incredible achievements in his life, able to throw it all away? Could you throw it all away like that? And dare I say... Part of the challenge for the 8 out of 10 of us is whenever these things are taken from us, the achievement, the acceptance, the affirmation, it devastates us because we haven't found what Paul has found. It is either one of two things we said. Paul is either cray-cray, he's crazy, he's lost his mind, or he has found a secret to discovering joy in spite of your circumstance. If he can say from jail, rejoice, then he has found something that maybe you and I have not yet discovered fully. And dare I say, this is the great wrestle for every Christian throughout their life. Here's the secret. It is all down to the word that he uses within that verse, righteousness. And we get righteousness very, very confused because we think righteousness means to be, to be a goody two-shoes, to be a holy person, that righteousness is a difference between good and bad. But you see righteousness all throughout our society. You see it all the time. The concept of righteousness is constantly coming at you. You even watch television shows purely based on righteousness. I'll give you an example. The Voice. Anyone seen The Voice? Uh, if you haven't seen The Voice, to some of our different members here, The, the Voice, the premise is this, that that a whole bunch of famous uh, rock stars sit with their, their backs to a person that is singing, so they call it a blind audition. And so that person is singing and these rock stars listen to that voice and if they think that voice is fantastic and wonderful, they hit this buzzer on their chair and they go, Poof, and their chair turns around and this big light lights up there and it says, I want you. And what's fascinating about The Voice is that you have people who have come from music backgrounds, who have recorded CDs, who have sung their hearts out in this moment, and the judge hasn't turned the chair around. Now, people watch this for three, four, five weeks on end. You've seen the show, right? Advertised on Channel 9. What is The Voice selling? And you say, oh, well, it's selling music. No, the thing that gets us watching The Voice is righteousness. Because here's what righteousness means from a biblical perspective. Righteousness doesn't mean good versus bad. Righteousness means acceptance. And we watch that. We move into that. We want to be a part of that because I want to suggest to you this morning that there is something at the depths of our hearts where we all must feel acceptable to someone. And some of you are saying, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm I'm fine, I'm fine doing my own thing, but, but let me ask you this, you know, socially, have you ever found yourself socially going out to a wedding and you ask yourself this first question, you, you say to your, your husband or your wife or to a friend, have you got the invitation, I, I, what's the dress code? Why do you want the dress code? Because you don't want to turn up to a wedding that is formal bow tie and tuxedos dressed in jeans, why? Because in that moment you want to feel righteous. 
You want to feel acceptable. You want to feel like you're on the inside, that your dress was acceptable. Romantically, some of you constantly through your dating life have been asking the question, what sort of personality do I need to have? What sort of interests do I need to have? What sort of person do I need to be? What sort of books do I need to read in order to be righteous, acceptable? Some of you in your careers have found yourself in a moment. On Friday nights, you do this all the time. Some of you are so good at it, you do it subconsciously. You've just got a radar on where you think, who is it? Which boss? Which person do I need to snuggle up alongside on a Friday night to start striking up a conversation with so that I might be deemed righteous? Who would have thought that such a biblical word would be so applicable? Can you see it now? Our desire and our need. This is not just a Christian problem. This is everyone's problem. Eight out of ten that we all desire to be accepted before someone. And it's, a, it's an insatiable pull of the heart that pulls us in. And look at the broader level, and here's what we're getting to. Here's the thing. Look, it's one thing when the, when the, when the relationships are over or the relationships have happened and, or the career is even going well or uh, the Friday night drinks have had you going up the corporate ladder. There is still something within you that seeks the ultimate answer to the ultimate question that before God, am I really okay? Am I acceptable? Have I done enough? And that is the thing that we'll see drives so much of our striving and our activity in life. Because if we have, can you see this deep need for righteousness? So if we've have this, then there's one of two ways that you can go uh, to answer that deep question and that deep need of your heart. And the first way is this. And Paul discovered this. He learned this the hard way. This is why it's great. Read the Bible. Learn from his mistakes so we can apply it to our life early. Paul learned this the hard way. The first way that we go about feeling acceptable, Paul says that outside of God, all of us are building spiritual soul LinkedIn profiles. <laughs> In other words, outside of God, all of us are building soul resumes. You, you, you know what a LinkedIn profile or a resume is, right? Some of the B-52s are saying, what's LinkedIn? What's, what's Link, LinkedIn, folks, is just, it's an online version of a resume uh, so that people can search uh, for you online and see all the things that you've done and they can see your achievements and they can see your background and your skills and your experience and the people that you know. But here's the principle, whether it's online or not, what's a resume? A resume is a thing that is always seeking to put forward your recommendation to someone else for acceptance. And so we're constantly, Paul is saying, building spiritual resumes. We all do this. He says, you do this. But most importantly, he says, I've been doing this. And that's why from verse 8, he says, if others think they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So what he's starting to say is list of all of his accomplishments here. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, righteousness based on the law, faultless. <laughs> now that can sound obscure. So let me help you out here. Um, circumcised on the eighth day. What he's saying there is I was, I was a Jew from the beginning. So in other words, I was, I was religiously pure. Of the tribe of ben Benjamin, there was only two tribes in all of Israel that were, were ancestrally there from the beginning. The tribe of Benjamin was one of them. So he's saying, I am culturally pure. 
when he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, he's, uh, there were many Jews. There was Greek Jews and then there was Hebraic Jews. There was Greek Hebrews and then Hebrew Hebrews. So he's saying then I was, I was racially pure as well. I was, I was of the original type. Of the, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. I was educationally superior. I earned my PhD in all of this. And when it came to keeping the law of the God, keeping the rules of God, I was faultless. You know what Paul is doing there? He just in the Bible had set up his LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Paul says if there is anyone who has every reason to trust in their resume for acceptance, uncategorically it was me. And yet then what does he say? He says, I now consider all of this rubbish. I don't want you to miss this this morning uh, because I might, I might be misunderstood. Um, people might read me the wrong way, but here's what I want to press on you. What we see from this passage is that sin is actually not the main thing that messes with our heads. Rather, it's our attitude towards our righteousness. <laughs> Paul, Paul knew of all the things that he was doing wrong. We know of all the things that we do wrong. We know of the way that we fall short of the glory of God, but it's, they're, they're not the things that mess with our head. They're the, not the things that mess with our emotions and with our psychology and with our spirituality and with our soul. In fact, it's our attitude towards our righteousness. Paul said the thing that made him a Christian was not a change in his attitude towards his sin, but his attitude towards his good deeds. All of the things that he was building his spiritual resume, he says, my attitude shifted in regard to that. Now, this is the gift. This is the gift of Christianity here. This is the gift of God. This is why this passage of all passage, passages sums up Christianity so well. He says, verse 8, what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Paul actually says the surpassing greatness he says, these things that used to be important to me, these things that were really important, the spiritual resume, all of that is gone because of this surpassing greatness. The word there for surpassing is actually a Greek word, hyper-echo, meaning super thing. Super thing, even like super authority. What he's saying is that, that I had an attitude towards these things and then something rose in my life, a super thing, that didn't do away with these things, didn't say that these things and achievement and all these good things were bad. It just meant it was such a powerful new driver and authority in my life that I am able to count them as worthless. In other words, he's saying, I found something so brilliant in my life that it, it, it shone on the things that I used to think shone in my life, my career, my achievements, all the things that I've done. And it made them dim. The, a, a sun has come up and the things that shone in my life like stars now have disappeared into the atmosphere as, as this bright light has risen in my life. And how does that happen? It all happened when he did this. And this is Christianity. When he transferred the basis of his acceptance of his feeling right from the spiritual resume <laughs> onto the work of Jesus Christ. That's what he says, not having a righteousness of my own, but being found in him. 
being found in him. Uh, ma- many of us, if we're cool and hip, you know, we, we've, we've had our moments, including myself, where we've been uh, to a nightclub. I'm happy to share that with you guys. I've, I've had my worldly moments as a pastor and... <laughs> And, and I've had those moments where you, you stand out in the cold and, and, and you're there on the outside of the, the street and, and, and if, if you're like me, you're one of those poor people that are, are behind the bollards and you watch all of these other glitzy people come in and, and, and they walk up to the bouncer and the bouncer looks at a list and looks at them and says, yep, that's fine, you can come in. And then I've been waiting there for like three and a half hours with my little licence ready to go and bop into the music looking cool, you know, trying to get my best pose on. Um, Never get in. <laughs> then if you're really, 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 really lucky, you know someone. And, and you're in the line. It's like, Josh, buddy, it's, it's me, Sam. It's, it's cool. And, and, and if you're really wonderful in one of those sorts of moments, they, they pull you out from underneath the bollard. You can practice this while you get coffee this morning. They pull you out from the, the bollard and, and, and you come up to the door and that fear and trepidation with the bouncer who's been staring you down for the last three hours. And those wonderful words come from Josh when you met up with him. Name's on the list. He says, it's okay. He's with me. And it's, it's like the gates of heaven open at that stage of life. You, you walk in into the land. <laughs> What did your pastor talk about on the weekend? Oh, we went to church. We heard about nightclubs. It was really good. Um, to be found in him. Everyone does this. We stand on the outside of heaven wondering, what will it do for me to get in? Will my ID be enough? Will my achievements be enough? And Jesus Christ comes along and he pulls us out of that line and he walks and he stands in front of the ultimate bouncer God. And when he looks down that list, Jesus says, no need to look there. He's with me. She's with me. And the father says, come in. Absolutely nothing to do with his achievement. But absolutely everything to being found in Jesus Christ. That is the heart of Christianity. That's why, that's why Christianity, I'm always saying Christianity is the... The one religion in the world where you need to work out what you're going to do when you come to the realisation that you need to do nothing at all. Every other religion in the world are people standing in the lines in order to get into the nightclub, hoping, 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 and they don't even know if their achievements are going to be good enough when they get to the bouncer. Christianity is the only religion in the world that plucks you out of that line, walks you to the face of the Father, and regardless of your record and all the things that you've done wrong, he says, he's with me, she's with me, and the Father says, come in. This is profound. (laughs) We forget this as Christians. So how how does this work? This righteousness, it's not a thing that you earn. It's, it's, It's something that Jesus does in his work. How does it work? Here's what you do. One point today. Because you're going to need to apply this a lot. So I didn't do five points for you. Just There's one application point. You need to apply deed weed killer. That's what you need. I call it deed killer. You need, to, you need to apply deed killer to your life. And here's the reason why. Take a look at this photo. Um, this is an issue I've got. Maybe um, some of the B-52s can help me out with what I've got out in the back garden at the moment. But um, we re-turfed um, the, man's, the man's little strip of grass out the back uh, the, a year ago. And it was looking fine and dandy until this summer. All of these things are happening. See, the problem was is that in, in the backyard we've had, uh, we had four crepe myrtle trees. And, and I, I decided that I was going to prune them and then the pruning turned into a cutting down of a branch and then that turned into I'm just going to remove them myself. 
about like 15 green wheelie bins later. <laughs> got rid of the whole lot, pulled the stumps out myself, cut the roots out, turfed over the top, looks fantastic. A year later, I suddenly realised the, the darn crepe myrtle shoots are coming back up through the grass again. <laughs> and no matter how much I try to pull them out, they keep coming back and pull them out, keep coming back. So the, the only way that I've been able to get rid of them is get that little zero paste, you know, bunnings that you get. I have to physically get down there, and every one of those silly little leaves, I have to wipe this paste on the weeds, because no matter how much I pull them, they keep coming back again. But when I apply the zero weed killer, it's one of those ones, you know, where the, where, where the weed killer just gets soaked down into the root system of the roots and kills it all off, you know, that sort of stuff, folks? Yep, yep. Half of you are saying, I live in Sydney in an apartment. What use is this illustration? <laughs> Bear with me. No analogy is perfect. Religion, for a start, is re-turfing your life. That's what religious people do. They cut down the big thing. You know, they come to Christianity and they say, I've been dealing with this, this sin in my life and if I've, if I've cut the tree down, then it's fine. If I just quickly re-turf over the, over the top of it, then it'll be okay. If I just stop that behaviour, it'll be okay. And then you and I find, eight out of ten of us, that suddenly the guilt and anxiety, frustration striving, devastation, all of these things start popping up a year later. And we come to church, we hear a sermon, we tell ourselves, don't do that, which is the spiritual equivalent of just pulling the reeds out. What I'm saying to this morning is that if we want to deal with this, you have to apply deed killer to those things. And here's what it looks like. If you come to a time in your life where... (laughs) Uh, I don't know, there's been a, a moment in your career in which the advancement hasn't happened and it's begun to devastate you. What you have to do in that moment is start with the emotion and the thing that is consuming you and apply some of the deed killer to it. You have to trace it down to the root system and ask yourself, why is this causing me to be so anxious, so scared? For some of you, it's a relationship and the relationship is not going well and it's stealing your joy and the relationship's stealing your joy. Why, why is that? For, for some of you, it's, a, it's, it's just yet another business and, and the business is not going well and it's absolutely consuming your mind and it's popped up and you thought you had dealt with it and it's not going away and you have to get down and close to it and apply the deed killer and come down to and, and ask yourself this question. And here is the wrestle for all of us this morning. Christianity is really simple. It comes down to asking yourself this question. When you find that emotion, when you find that thing, applying deed killer is this. You are asking yourself, could it be possible that I am using this thing as the basis of my acceptance, of my righteousness? If the relationship happens and someone loves me, then finally I will be acceptable. If the, if the business works and, and, and I can do all these wonderful things with the business, then, then, then finally I've built something and finally I will be acceptable. If the career goes through and I have a great job and a great title and a great business card, finally I will be acceptable. Can you see what happens to us? Unless we deal with our own righteousness at the root level, then... Then and only then can we be freed of those shoots coming back up to the surface. And it's true of me because I'm one of the eight of the ten. 
It's the greatest wrestle that I have in those hours when I'm home and it's finished and it's a Wednesday and I'm not in front of you and I don't sleep or I'm overly anxious or I'm angry or I'm frustrated about the church. And for ministers, this thing, this thing is always trying to get ascendancy into our hearts. It's always trying to become the super thing. Because in every moment of every day in the week, there is a moment in which I can be using as your pastor, I can be using the success of God's church as my spiritual resume. In front of you, but even more importantly, in front of God. One of the most profound moments I've had in my ministry is when I went around the corner and Bishop Sandy Miller, who started Alpha, came and prayed over me. He put his hands on me. He said, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. He said, "Um, God wants to say this to you. I've called you this because I love you, not because I want to work you. Now, if it's true for me, it's got to be true for you. My super thing, my potential super thing that is always competing with Jesus Christ, well, it's easy for me, that's going to be the church. It wants ascendancy over my family. It wants ascendancy over my relationship with Jesus Christ. But you have a super thing in your life as well. There is something. You've got to watch your heart. Your heart is like a magpie. You know, your heart is like a magpie. If you do not look that thing in the eye and keep your focus on it, it will always swoop and sting you at some point. <laughs> We must constantly be tracing down to the root system of why am I acting this way? Why am I feeling that? Why are these shoots coming up in my life? And some of you this morning are saying, yeah, I get it. No, you don't. I don't get it. Because let me prove it to you, it's possible to be a Christian and be guilty and anxious and zealous and judgmental and superior. All of those are the shoots that come up through the grass. And can't you see if those things, those feelings are emerging in your life, not the end of your faith or Christianity, but it's a wonderful opportunity in partnership with God and his Holy Spirit to trace that down, the guilt, the anxiety, the zealousness, the super, superiority, and apply a little bit of zero, a little bit of deed killer to the deed weeds that are in your life. There is still a hidden standard in all of us buried down that is always saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm feeling guilty. I'm either feeling superior. I'm not good enough before others. I'm not good enough before God. And most of the time, I'm not good enough before myself. And the great promise for you this morning is that there is an artesian well of joy that is sitting just beneath the surface of your life this morning. If you are willing to uncap this thing, that has become a super thing in your life. If you uncap that thing, joy will burst out forth into the surface of your life the way that you see the Texans do when they strike the black gold. (laughs) The great promise is that God says this joy is available to you. You don't take my word for it. You take Paul's word for it. For some of you, Paul got this, the striving, the achievement, the desire for acceptance. All of these things, by the way, are good things. They're not bad things. But his challenge originally and his problem was they had become super things. And he said, I found a new super thing in my life, a new authority that is over my life that has allowed those things to fade like stars do at sunrise. It's our wrestle, isn't it? It's our wrestle in all of the Christian life. And it's going to take many a time in groups and life to work the most simplest of statements out about Christianity that you can ever get. Christianity is very simple. It's just very hard to apply. (laughs) And it's this. 
You're, you're either trusting in your efforts or God's efforts through Jesus Christ for your sense of acceptance. God says, rest in him, be found in him, trust in him, walk with him, and you're in, and I love you. Unpack that truth in your life this week. You'll find joy, I promise you. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.